I'm Andrea Atbasconi, and welcome to Quidel Ortho Science Bites. In this episode, we will be talking about the most common thyroid disorders, how they can be diagnosed and monitored, and complications that can arise if left undetected. According to the American Thyroid Association, more than 12% of the U.S. population will develop a thyroid condition during their lifetime, and up to 60% of those with thyroid disease are unaware of their condition. With me today to discuss thyroid diseases and diagnostic testing is Dr. Ria Castro, Director of Medical Affairs at Quidel Ortho. Dr. Castro holds a bachelor's degree in medical technology from University of Santo Tomas and a medical degree from University of the East in the Philippines. In addition, she also has a master's in public health from Northern Illinois University. She has experience in both clinical and biotechnology product development covering multiple therapeutic areas. Her clinical focus before going into industry was in women's health. Thank you, Dr. Castro, for joining me today. Thank you, Andrea, for having me. Let's begin with what are the most common thyroid disease states and their causes? Well, the most common thyroid disease states are due to either overproduction or underproduction of the thyroid hormones. The thyroid produces two major hormones called T3 or triiodothyronine and T4 or tyroxine. An overproduction of thyroid hormones causes hyperthyroidism. A common cause of hyperthyroidism is an autoimmune disorder called Graves' disease. Underproduction of thyroid hormones causes hypothyroidism. An autoimmune disorder called Hashimoto's thyroiditis is a disease that causes the body's immune system cells to attack the thyroid cells, which then leads to underproduction and is the most common cause of hypothyroidism. Overgrowth of the thyroid gland can also occur and causes a disorder called goiter and is commonly caused by the lack of iodine in our diets. Goiter can either be hyper or hypothyroid. Less common thyroid diseases include thyroiditis, thyroid nodules, and thyroid cancer. Thyroiditis is an inflammation of the thyroid. Hashimoto's is actually a type of thyroiditis. Other types include postpartum thyroiditis, which is a condition that happens after delivery of the baby, and subacute thyroiditis, which is a condition causing pain in the thyroid. Thyroid nodules are abnormal growths of thyroid cells that form a lump and are most commonly non-cancerous, but a small proportion may lead to cancer. Cancers in the thyroid is usually due to high levels of radiation, but hereditary factors can also play a role. Thank you for that overview. What are the symptoms that are associated with each disease? Well, hyperthyroidism accelerates your body's metabolism. So symptoms can include nervousness, anxiety, irritability, and decreased sleep. You'll notice increased sweating, your heart racing, and hand tremors. You'll also notice thinning of your skin and brittle hair. You sometimes will experience muscle weakness and frequent bowel movements. You'll notice weight loss despite of your healthy appetite and in women, less frequent and light menstrual periods. Symptoms of hypothyroidism relate to slowing of your body's metabolism. They tend to develop slowly and you barely notice the symptoms and often attribute it to age, such as fatigue, 
weight gain, dry skin and thinning hair, feeling cold, forgetfulness, depression, and constipation. And thyroid diseases are amongst the most prevalent of medical conditions. Help us better understand the epidemiology. So thyroid diseases are more common in women than men. One in eight women will develop thyroid problems during her lifetime, with hypothyroidism more likely to develop after menopause. Thyroid dysfunction and diabetes are also closely linked. Autoimmune thyroid dysfunction occurs in 17 to 30% of adults with type 1 diabetes. Thyroid dysfunction is more common in patients with type 2 diabetes than in the general population. So the prevalence of thyroid dysfunction really varies by age, sex, race, ethnicity, and geography. There are limitations in the epidemiological studies with current estimates of thyroid dysfunction largely derived from predominantly white and middle-aged populations. There are also different techniques used to measure thyroid hormones and different definitions used in these studies. In one large cross-sectional study of the U.S. population, where all subjects were 65 or older, higher age was significantly associated with higher prevalence of subclinical hypothyroidism. The prevalence of subclinical hypothyroidism was also higher in whites compared to blacks, whereas the opposite trend was found for subclinical hyperthyroidism, where the prevalence is greater in blacks compared to whites. So variations in prevalence are influenced by the dietary availability of iodine which is an essential component of T3 and T4 produced by the thyroid gland. Almost one-third of the global population live in areas of iodine deficiency, most of which are in developing countries. However, several high-income countries like Denmark, Italy, and the UK have also been classified as iodine deficient. In the US, there's been iodine intake decrease over the last 30 years. And surveys suggest that pregnant women in both developing and high-income countries have deficient iodine intakes. And there are many different assays used to diagnose the different thyroid disease states. Which ones are used to aid in the diagnosis of the diseases you've described? So blood tests can help diagnose thyroid diseases. The different assays available are TSH, free and total T3 and T4, and different types of thyroid antibodies. TSH, or thyroid stimulating hormone, is a pituitary hormone that stimulates the thyroid gland to produce T3 and T4. So if this hormone is increased, that means there's too little thyroid hormone, and if it's decreased, there's too much thyroid hormone in the body. This is actually the most common test doctors use in evaluating thyroid function. Measuring the free or unbound levels of T3 and T4 also helps in this evaluation to determine the degree of hyper or hypothyroidism. Free T4 is usually added if the TSH is high to determine the degree of hypothyroidism. Free T4 and T3 are added when TSH is low to determine the degree of hyperthyroidism. Total T3 and T4 measures both the bound and the free hormones and may not accurately reflect the condition of the thyroid as much as the free hormones because it is greatly dependent on the amount of binding protein in the blood and can be influenced by many non-thyroid conditions. 
It is, however, useful in full assessment because it is a great representation of the overall production capacity of the thyroid gland. So if our free hormones are low and the total hormones are also low, this means it is due to issues in production. If the free hormones are low and the total hormones are normal, then it's not due to production, but a problem with our binding proteins. Thyroid antibody tests are also available to help diagnose the cause of the thyroid problem. Antithyroid peroxidase or anti-TPO and antithyroglobulin antibodies or anti-TG in a patient with hypothyroidism result in a diagnosis of Hashimoto's thyroiditis. The detection of thyroid-stimulating autoantibodies to the thyroid-stimulating hormone receptors, also called TSHR, on the thyroid are used to help diagnose Graves' disease. Graves' disease, an autoimmune disorder, is one of the most common causes of hyperthyroidism and also one of the most difficult to diagnose. Which tests are recommended to aid in the diagnosis and management of Graves' disease? So there are three different types of thyroid receptor antibodies, thyroid-stimulating immunoglobulin, thyroid-blocking immunoglobulin, and neutral or cleavage antibodies. TSI, or thyroid-stimulating immunoglobulin, is specific for Graves' disease because it is the stimulating antibody that lead to hyperthyroidism. Therefore, the accurate analysis of TSI is key. So the 2016 American Thyroid Association guidelines support the use of TSI testing as the first recommendation when suspecting hyperthyroidism. During treatment with an antithyroid drug, it is also recommended that TSI is used to monitor the efficacy. The level of TSI during therapy help manage the patient properly. The ATA guidelines also recommend using TSI to identify and manage pregnancy patients including postpartum follow-up. The 2018 European Thyroid Association Guideline for the Management of Graves Hyperthyroidism recommend the measurement of TSHRAB as a sensitive and specific tool for rapid and accurate diagnosis and differential diagnosis of Graves' disease. Differentiation of TSHRAB functionality is helpful and predictive in Graves' patient during pregnancy and postpartum, as well as for extrathyroidal manifestations. And once diagnosed, it's also important to monitor a known condition. Which assays can be used for monitoring thyroid diseases? TSH is used to monitor response to therapy. If a patient is prescribed a synthetic thyroxine to treat hypothyroidism, we need to monitor that response and adjust the dosage as needed. The American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists recommends 0.3 to 3.0 milli-IU per ml as the appropriate normal range for TSH. But endocrinologists often like to see the TSH level to be around 1 to 1.5. Another test, a thyroglobulin test, or TG, is also available and is used to monitor thyroid cancer in patients who has had a thyroidectomy. A positive TG test indicates that thyroid cells, either normal or cancerous, are still present in our body. After thyroidectomy, we expect the TG level to be undetectable. Some people produce antithyroglobulin antibodies or anti-TG. 
If you have anti-TG, imaging studies may be used to monitor for persistent or recurrent disease. Lastly, for monitoring, total T4, which is also used for hyperthyroid, can also be used for monitoring treatment when a patient is on an anti-thyroid drug. And what are the complications associated with thyroid disorders? So since thyroid hormone affects nearly every tissue and organ system in the body, any disruption of the normal hypothalamic pituitary thyroid axis that affects TSH or T3 and T4 will manifest itself in really various ways, which is why getting accurate testing results as early as possible reduces the risk of mild disease becoming severe disease. So for example, in women, thyroid diseases can cause problems with the menstrual cycle, such as causing irregular periods or even causing periods to stop for several months. So for women trying to get pregnant, the disruption thyroid disease can have on ovulation makes it even harder. Also, cardiovascular diseases and thyroid dysfunction are closely interlinked. Both hyperthyroidism and hypothyroidism may cause alterations in cardiac function. Hyperthyroidism gives rise to palpitations, atrial fibrillation, systolic hypertension, heart failure, whereas hypothyroidism increases diastolic hypertension, pericardial effusion, and the risk of ischemic heart disease. Early recognition and treatment of thyroid dysfunction may therefore prevent adverse cardiovascular events in patients with or without pre-existing cardiovascular disease. It also impacts our kidneys. Serious hypothyroidism can lower the kidney's function, often due to the decreased blood flow to the kidneys. Hypothyroidism can also lead to nervous system complications, such as muscle weakness and nerve injury. Also, thyroid dysfunction affects bone health and it's linked to osteoporosis. Too much thyroid hormone increases the rate at which bone is lost. If the thyroxine level stays too high or the thyroid-stimulating hormone level stays too low in your body for a long period of time, then there is a high risk of developing osteoporosis. And hyper and hypothyroidism can affect pregnancy in several ways. What are some of the risks to the mother and to the baby? So thyroid hormones are important in the normal development of the baby's brain and nervous system. Untreated hypothyroidism during pregnancy may truly adversely affect maternal and fetal outcomes and include miscarriage, preterm delivery, preeclampsia, low birth weight and stillbirth, and impaired intellectual and psychomotor development of the baby. Hyperthyroidism in pregnancy is usually caused by Graves' disease, and this occurs in one to four of every 1,000 pregnancies in the United States. It actually may first appear in a patient during pregnancy. Untreated hyperthyroidism during pregnancy can lead to the same issues as hypothyroidism with the possibility of miscarriage, premature birth, low birth weight, and preeclampsia. Targeted screening for thyroid disease should be performed in pregnant women determined to be high risk, such as those with personal or family history of thyroid disease. Thank you, Dr. Castro, for this very insightful and informative discussion today on the important topic of thyroid disorders. I hope everyone enjoyed this podcast episode. 
Make sure to review sections within the podcast description with suggested reading materials and links to learn more. Based on today's podcast, I'll leave you with our pop quiz. What complications can arise if thyroid disease is left undetected? You can go back and listen again if you'd like some more details. Thank you so much for listening today. Please subscribe to Quidel Ortho Science Bites, our monthly podcast brought to you by Quidel Ortho Corporation, where we are transforming the power of diagnostics into a healthier future for all. Take care.